This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. One episode of the Forever Bristol City podcast. Joining me today are the usual suspects, Dave Febs, Ian, Mark, and myself, Headhunter or David, whichever way you want to cut it. Well, here we are. We're celebrating victory in City's first game of the new year. The final score at Ashton Gate in the FA Cup third round was Bristol City 2, Portsmouth 1. And before we talk about the game, uh, news came through during the game, actually, that one of my old favourites, I'm sure Ian... And Mark, maybe not so much Dave Fevs, because uh, he's a bit younger than the rest of us. But one of our old favourites sadly passed away today uh, at the age of 77. Not a big age, but that was Bobby Kellar. But we'll talk about him uh, later. And it's ironic, actually, that it's 48 years ago this weekend or this stage of the FA Cup competition that we played Portsmouth. And uh, Bobby Kellar was playing for... Um, Portsmouth at that time, his second spell with a club. And uh, Bobby Gould got an equaliser down at Pompey. I was there. We maybe talk about that later. And then uh, we won the replay in the days of replays. We won that 4-1 at Ashton Gate. But we won today. We're in the fourth round. A win is a win, whichever way you want to look at it. Let's go uh, first to uh, Dave. The quick recap of well, your, your initial thoughts on the, this afternoon's game. I think for, for me, it was a, a game that was won by two really good goals from, from Bristol City. There was some all right stuff throughout the game, but too many spells where we just give the ball away and we let teams control us. We shouldn't be letting the team from League One have, have any spells of pressure like they did second half where we looked like we couldn't get the ball away. You know, we, We've got to find ways of co- overcoming those, those hurdles and being able to not have to soak up so much pressure, which inevitably leads leads to shots. But I'm I'm, I'm pleased that we we won. I'm pleased we're in the round uh, the hat for rounds four and five, I believe, because it's they do both draws in one. Um, and hopefully yeah. it'll just give us a bit of com- confidence going in, in, into the into the coming games. But uh, plenty of work to do, I'd say. Um, Mark, your thoughts on the game? Just a quick synopsis, not the action, but um, overall. You know, 30-second summary of what we've seen this afternoon. Well, for uh, the viewers, a great FA Cup tie, end-to-end, uh, where Portsmouth uh, played play, play very well, uh, showed why they're top of the league. City's soft centre again, let them down. Uh, but as Dave said, two fantastic strikes uh, saw, saw us into the third round. And that's uh, probably as, as good as it gets, but the old problems remain. You there, Dave? He's so shocked that I kept it short. That's why, Dave. <laughs> okay, Ian. Seems, yeah. Ian, your thoughts uh, before we dissect the action and the starting lineup? Yeah, my thoughts. I think if you look at the pluses, Mawson returning was a yeah, tremendous I'm... plus. He, he looked like yeah. a leader. Um, we're through to the next round and in the hat for the uh, fourth <laughs> and fifth round draw. And it's a home win. And they, they've been difficult. Um, in, in, in coming. Uh, we also Ian, had a your, thoughts, your thoughts on the game. Ian, Ian's on, Dave. I don't know whether you've you've lost lost us. Carry on, Ian. Yeah, I, I think um, the, if you if you look at the team, we had a glimpse of Zach Viner as a holding midfield player, and he came on. And what a difference it makes when you've got a player in there who can actually win the ball and tackle. 
because our three other central midfielders can't win the ball and can't tackle. And I'm calling the three of them out for that. Masengo is probably the hardest tackler of all of them and the best defensively of all of them. And he's not great at defending or attacking. And that's the trouble is that with all three of them, they're not great at defending yeah. or so, attacking. So that was it. That was it really then. So let's... Um... Let's look at the starting uh, lineup, Dave. What what's on the eleven? You there, Dave? Yeah. De- uh, if I, I'll take over from Dave because I think he may be able to hear us, but we can't hear him. Um, Dave Febbs, what's your uh, take on what uh, Dean should do uh, for the Brentford game on Wednesday? What what shape a team would you like to see? Because I, I, my own view is we not, we go, are we not talk, go. Are we not going to talk about talk about the game first? Yeah, let's talk about the game. Sorry, I'm back in the room now. Let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the game. Um, Dave, the starting lineup. What were your thoughts on uh, what were your thoughts on that? Was it predictable that he brought back uh, Azalakan and uh, was surprised to see Mawson out there, wasn't it? Um, I, I thought there was a, a chance that Mawson might play from what was what was said in in, in midweek. Um, I guess as soon as he, you know, if he wants to play a four four two, then I don't think that's that team was a surprise at all. I think the big the big question for me will be, does he stick with four four two against Brentford, or are we going to see this? return of swapping systems and players every couple of games like we saw over the last 8, 10, 12, 12 games. Um, if he wants to stick with four four two for the rest of the season, that, that's fine. That's, I don't worry about it. But pick a system, stick to it, get your players playing playing right. So from, from, the, from the options he had today, if he's going to play that system, I, I, I think I'd have been pretty close to that side if I was naming it today. I was quite pleased to see us play two big ones up front as well. And I thought that was a quite interesting to see and maybe try and fight them it's interesting uh, before the games a lot of talk about Portsmouth being very direct and I think you know for the centre-backs they played they played up to the front man a lot but they played just as much football if not more football than us so I, I was quite surprised at pre, pre-game that there was all this talk of that because that's not what I'd seen from this season not with players like Ryan Williams and Cannon in midfield as well I was really impressed with today yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. They look very comfortable on the ball and the commentator, maybe we'll talk about him yesterday, uh, later, maybe with his pronunciations were pretty awful. But he said a couple of times, he said a couple of times, you know, that you couldn't see that City were the championship uh, team. But uh, let's look at the, uh, we go into the action. I mean, City, I thought they started the game okay, to be fair. And uh, Ian, the first goal... Um, it was well worked. Back in centre, Dijou. Dijou, quick exchange of passes with Adelakan. Classic finish from our key striker, who looks like he probably could be leaving to Middlesbrough. The fact that they got knocked out of the cup, no issues of being cup tied. But your your thoughts on uh, on the goal and, uh, and Dijou's performance overall? Well, I think the Middlesbrough thing looks to me like uh, people putting two and two together and coming up with six. Because uh, Dijou's out of contract. Um, and also uh, the big lad they've got up front, who, who we've been linked with probably seven or eight times and never never been managed to sign uh, a Samba longer. Um, people are talking about a swap deal or that Gigi may go there. Uh, I think it's more likely that nothing will happen at all. Gigi will stay with us and he'll walk away as he's wanted to for the last year. He'll walk away... Um, in the summer for nothing, along with a few other players. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think when I saw the side today, I thought the problem for me is is where does the creativity and how, how does it come from and how do the wide players get the ball? I mean, even with the fact that we've got the non-tackling midfield, we have 55% possession today. Yeah. But it's what we do with it. Um, and uh, it, it's no good giving the ball to Adelakon uh, with his back to goal, um, with two two defenders on him, that because all he can do is is try and beat them and lose it, or pass it back, and that was happening far too often. Backwards, backwards, sideways, backwards, backwards. I mean, that's okay if you're two 0 up and you're trying to play out the last five minutes. You play like that all night, but but not, not a pattern, when you're not trying a to play. But the goal, Ian, the goal no. was a good. It was a good strike, wasn't it? 
It was a good strike. It was an excellent strike. And and it's the type of thing that Backinson, when he played the 1 2, it's the type of thing that Backinson should do more. And, and Fam, once again, was gets that ball. Was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I thought yeah. it was Backinson. Anyway, if you say it was Adelakan. It was, it was Adelakan. It was, it was one the only thing two, he did in the game. Yeah, well, he put over a nice left wing cross that Backinson missed, didn't he? When he made a rare excursion into the box. Yeah. So, I, I, you know. Uh, good strike from Fan, but in the end, we we had uh, a five point two million and a five million pound striker out there, and, and possibly that's what made the difference. Although Wells um, Wells on the right wing to me is, or Wells playing wide is a joke. Either playing in the position or don't play down the middle, middle, yeah. or, 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 or don't, don't bother. Mark the, uh, the the first half, City were. In control, I think you know without looking uh, really threatening. But then uh, the goal that uh, put Pomp the uh, level right on the stroke of halftime. Well, it was in tied on. The referee stopped play for an injury in their box. It wasn't a head injury. Stopped play. He awarded them a goal kick when surely it should have been a drop ball or Pompey played it back to us. And they went up the other end and scored. I mean, take us through that refereeing decision and uh, and that goal, Mark. Yeah, I mean the, the cross case. I think it was a, a row, a row corner, and Mawson uh, was behind Jiju, and Jiju just went into the side of uh, of um, uh, Rasmus Nikolaisen, who, who Semenya was turning inside out. He was giving him real problems, and and, and got he, he conceded a yellow card for a free kick on the edge of the area that we wasted two of those in the first half. So it went down the the uh, the other end, and I think Brown uh, got the ball from Harness through Nash. And and Backinson, who were just so soft on the right of in the right of our penalty area, plenty of men behind the ball. Then Brown got behind Callas. Uh, it was played back across the box to Callum uh, Johnson, and he had Adelakan. Adelakan just turned his back uh, on Johnson, and he just scuffed it into the far corner, past an unsighted Bentley. I mean, no commitment there from Adelakan. Three yeah. or four mistakes in the whole thing. Bentley had no chance because it just went in the in the opposite corner. It was a good it was a good finish, but an awful bit of defending by awful City. Awful goal to concede. Dave, did you yeah. see that goal? I mean, the build up to it. Strange decision by the referee, wasn't it? The way they were able to retain possession. But uh, your thoughts yeah. on that and the goal itself? Yeah, he lost the plot. The referee because it it wasn't a foul. The game carried on, and he he then called the ball back. Should have been a drop ball. They should have given the ball back to us and, and we should have saw out the half. And as it happened, we then get another famous Bristol City leg dangle tackle from Naj on the edge of the box. I appreciate he's on a yellow card, but you can, you can tackle without fear of getting getting sent off, can't you? And, mm-hmm. and, and ultimately, the guy goes through, slips the ball in. I, I don't blame Adelakan. I think Adelakan's got himself into a reasonable position back in the box for a ball squared across the six-yard box. Whether he's turned on it, all players turn on it when someone slams a slams a ball at them, and it was a pretty cool finish actually for the guy. But um, yeah, I, we should have been going in at halftime one nil up, probably just about deserving it. And as it happened, it, it, we kind of went in one all. Yeah, the second half was sort of uh, one way traffic, particularly after the double substitution. I mean, the only chance I've got for City was on the hour when Rowe put in a cross and Semenyo got his shot away and it was saved. Not a bad effort. I think, you know, you've got to persevere with him because I think he will come good, Semenyo. But then when we made the uh, double substitution, which was more coming on for Mawson, who certainly looked like, you know, he hadn't been away for he slotted in perfectly on that on that left side, and then Adelakan went off. Naki Wells came on, but uh, I've got three incidents here: sixty nine, seventy one, and eighty minutes. Good pressure, a flowing passing, Naylor's shot saved by Bentley, another match saving saved by Bentley, Jacob's shot saved by Bentley, and then a Taylor Moore tackle robbing Harrison. I mean, Ian, after those two substitutions that were uh, made, it was obvious Mawson was only going to get an hour sensible thing to do with him but we went to pieces really and Portsmouth looked the more likely team to score didn't they yeah they did in Portsmouth let's be honest looked the better team and I agree with Dave they played the better football um the referee Lee Doughty is a dreadful referee um someone's uh put here it could have been Dave as I said it was Barnes Barnsley and Rotherham and I, I thought he, he is a dreadful referee I mean booking Nash for what he did after four minutes I thought was very harsh um, and like 
we said after that he's on a tightrope, but he tackles like that or doesn't tackle like that all the time. He does, yeah, you're um, right. But if I'd have been going down, uh, if I was a Pompey fan, I'd gone to that game and I'd have been driving back to Portsmouth, I'd have felt absolutely cheated that we didn't uh, at least get to extra time, notwithstanding the fact that City scored two fantastic goals. And it's nice to see a score from outside the box because that's something else we don't do very often. No, that's true. That's very true. I mean, uh, Mark, the uh, the goal that proved uh, decisive. I mean, Zach Viner had come on by then into uh, well, looked to me a midfield role, and he slipped the ball to Chris Martin. Got a lucky bounce as it came off the defender, but he uh, cracked that in, and that was a good finish from uh, from from Chris, wasn't it? Yeah, Viner just held the ball up and slipped it wide to Martin, and he he, he sort of played a one-two after the. Uh, the uh, the shins of the uh, of the left centre back Sean Raggett, but he curled it into the top right hand corner. It was absolutely fantastic finish, and it was you know worthy of, of winning any match. But um, yeah, it was just the way that City faded out in the second half and just completely lost their shape. And um, Mawson going off, I don't think made any difference. The real problem was in the midfield and the fact that having four strikers on the pitch, it was just a mess again, like it was against Luton. Um, yeah. You know, for, for most of it, and, and and other games we played where we just tried to throw the kitchen sink and, and against Wickham. Without really, any real, without say. any real cohesion, any real, any real plan, because he didn't have any wide players. I think, although Adelakan and Semenyo, you think would be the wide men in a four-four-two today, they both played quite narrowly. But Semenyo gave their team a lot of problems today, and Nick yeah. Lyerson was lucky to stay on because his second foul that gave away the free kick on the edge of the box, I think, for uh, Martin's uh, for Adelakan's wasted free kick that hit the wall, that he should have been off for that. That was yeah. a, a, that was a bookable offence, and he'd already had a yellow. So. Yeah, just scrape, scrape through and, uh, yeah, you'll probably go well, through the rest of the action. Through. I mean, they weren't finished even after the goal because they had it on 94 no. minutes on the clock. <laughs> Wooler, who I think, is it Geordie Hewula? He's ex-man City youth player who we were interested in, I'll say, four or five years ago. But again, Dan Bentley... He scored, he scored two at Ashton Gate against us for Walsall when he was on loan from Man City in the famous 8-2. Yeah, yeah. when we... When we uh, I'd say we'll... Dan Bentley kept us... Kept well, avoided the uh, the, yeah. the boring uh, extra time prospect with another good uh, oh, save God, yeah. right at the death. So, Dave, look, we are where we are. Um, the lone players that have come back, um, well, one who was noticeable by his absence was um, Casey Palmer, or do you think he's got COVID uh, issues? What 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 are your thoughts on what's happened off the field this week on the returning loanee situation, Dave? Well, I, I think we've done the right thing with with all of them, um, unless I, there's anyone I've forgotten. I think you know, I think Casey Palmer. I, there's, I don't think there's any reason to doubt he's got got COVID. I think he'd have been he'd have been in the the twenty man squad today if he was if he was fit. And I I don't think anyone else is going to pick him up other than Swansea um, in this window. So and no, in fact, it can't because it, he's already played for two clubs this season, us and, and Swansea. So. I think we've done the right thing there. I think we've brought Cam Pring back, which is eminently sensible with Jay De Silva potentially out for, for quite a while and he'll give Tommy Rowe some, some competition. Um, and then we've brought back um, Wurra Edwards from Grimsby. Yeah. I thought there was talk, talk that he might go back out on loan somewhere else and it, him and Morton coming back was predominantly around the fact that Holloway's gone from, from Grimsby and it's a bit of a mess up there. So I, I, we'll, we'll see what happens with them. The fact... I think I think Morton was cut tied as well today, wasn't he? So he, I don't think he could he could make the squad. So we'll see what happens maybe on on Wednesday against Brentford, whether yeah. Morton and uh, I, I, I don't know if Casey Palmer will have done enough days and got his negative test for, from from that point. So yeah, what did you think of Mariapa having his contact a contract extended to the end of the season? Good, 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 good thing. Yeah, sensible. Yeah, yeah. Now Mark Carter's just said on the on the text here that. They said the loan rules have changed, and you can go to three clubs this season. So, okay, that will that gives us a little bit of wiggle room throughout the rest of this window, depending if we if we bring anyone else in. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ian, you know, we got a bit of a you know 
today was almost like a chance to give some players uh, some minutes, but we got another tough game coming up on uh, Wednesday. I'm surprised they've rearranged it so quickly. I don't know whether there's anything in that due to the controversy over, well, the alleged controversy over the uh, postponement or suspension, I think it was called the other week. But uh, Ian, do you think they'll bring back Cameron Pring uh, in that left-back role because that's his conventional position and maybe do a structural change you know Tommy Rowe in midfield on the left side maybe what what what, what do you think looking forward to uh, to Brentford do you think Casey well, might one, be in the bench for that one well I think if Casey Palmer has uh, is COVID negative or has recovered if he's actually had it um, I think he'd be on the bench uh, to start with I, I would have probably if, if you're going to play him you play him as a 10 behind two strikers and once again, if you want to play him wide left or anything like that, please don't bother. Um, and then if he's playing that 10 role, don't let him too close to our penalty area uh, because he's, he's another one of those accident waiting to happen defenders. But he's good on the ball. He is creative. And if you're going to play for a 10, play with a 10, it has to be him or Pato. Mm-hmm. And Pato's out for another... Well, the club said this week that he'd be out for four weeks from the op, but I don't know if that means four weeks and he's back available for first-team selection or four weeks and he's back, uh, one of these vague phrases, on the grass. Yeah, um, well, we're going to talk which, about, we're going to talk about, we're going to which, talk about which seems injuries to me, and whatnot. Which, which seems to mean, you know, he might come back next week or he might not come back for another month. So, um, I'm not... Uh, uh, if I was going out to Brentford, one player, I think, that another one that was cup tied today was James Morton. And I wouldn't mind seeing James Morton on the left-hand side of a middle three in a 3-5-2 because he can pass the ball very accurately. He's got a great left foot at long distance, which once again, Masengo, Naj and Backinson can. They can pass the ball about 20 yards is about their range and that's it. So... Um, I, I would, I would definitely consider him. If not, yeah, you you could push Tommy Rowe either as a holding midfield player, as Zach Viner was playing in the back three, or you you could um, play him on the left hand side of a three narrow uh, in midfield, where he give you that little bit more, uh, should we say, uh, second ball winning ability, and he's got a decent left foot and he can score goals and shoot. Yeah. So, I, I, or maybe I you can play with that. one up front and start Naki Wells with a, as a, as a one and play a you know a five four you one. You can play Naki like Wells up up front on his own. Dave's a midget. He's five foot six. He's I'm taller than he is. So well, you can you, you you can play one man up front. You can you know you you can play whatever you want. It's all about playing a, a system that suits what you've got. He played up front quite a bit on his own at QPR and scored. You know, however many goals you got for them last season. Yeah, but they, so. you've got to remember, remember, Dave, they play attacking football. Well, there you go. But see, but then that's maybe so how we should approach front. Brentford. Because if we go to Brentford and try and contain them, even though I didn't think they looked great against Tottenham, it was Tottenham they were playing. They were all over. Mark, uh, let me come to you next. Uh, one player that we we're in the transfer window now. We we have, we're talking more about players coming back or players who might leave I uh, fan, but uh, it was widely reported in the Sunday papers that uh, Connor Wickham has been linked with us and other clubs. He's out of contract, I think, is at Palace in the summer. Would he be a good signing or would he be another player with an injury record that you might get three games out of him then we'd be lumbered with his wages for the rest of the season if he broke down? Do you think that would be a good signing? I don't think so. But what do you think, Mark? Well, he'd fit right in here, wouldn't he, with his injury record? I mean, not fair to Connor Wickham, but yeah, his injury record's not very good. I thought I read an, an update on the forum that um, Palace might be loath to get, let him go because they've got so many injured players at the moment. They're finding it difficult to get a team together. But he's a, he's not a bad striker at this level. I think he scored for Sheffield Wednesday down here a couple of seasons ago. But getting a run of games out of him, I think, is very difficult. Uh, you'd have to wrap him up in, co- in cotton wool. I think the only worry we've got is if, if Fam goes, is it paper talk that Middlesbrough are interested? We'd have to replace him. We've, we've, we've got no choice. I mean, going back to the Brentford game, now I think one of the bonuses we're going to have on Wednesday is that Josh De Silva isn't playing because he'll have a free match ban 
uh, as a result of his awful, awful foul uh, on who uh, on um, who was it? He, he it, we. On, <laughs> it was it was Hoiberg, wasn't it? Is it? Uh, last, yeah, he took Hoiberg out uh, with a two-footed tack with a two-footed lunge uh, last last Tuesday in the, in the semi-final. So yeah. he's out. But we need we really need some some uh, some steel in midfield. Otherwise, they'll just run through us. They're in their midfield, but they'll be all over us pressing. And uh, you know, with the likes of Rico Henry pushing up on the left as well, looking to get crosses in. They're very good attacking side, but they're yeah. they are mean in midfield as well with the likes of Christian Dalsgaard. So um yeah. But why not play with two two big strikers up front in Martin and uh and um Jiju again and just hit those balls and let them give the, the their centre backs, you know, let them give their centre backs something to think about. What do you yeah, well, Tottenham, Tottenham, Tottenham exploited the Brentford centre-backs. But, uh, Dave, I mean, yeah, just before we uh, go on to some of the other topics, obviously being hot news this week, I mean, how would you – you know how Brentford play. We all know how Brentford play. You know, they're good to watch, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, would you – what what would you do Wednesday different to what you've done today? Or do you think that's a bit of a big ask, asking Holden to do something different? I, I don't think, of late, I don't think it is a big ask to ask him to do something different. I think that's all he's done of late is, is, is chop and change, which was one of the things that I really liked that he didn't do early on in the season when he stuck with his 3-5-2. Three, five, three, five, I think if you try and match Brentford up on, on um, Wednesday night, they're better than us, so no point going four three three because effectively just give them the advantage because they're used to playing their their system. I think, I think as Mark was saying there, I, I don't mind if we play a little bit more direct, but the rest of the team has got to play this all together that that way. So it's no point banging the ball up from you know Mawson or or Callis up into Jiju and Martin if you haven't got players around them. So if you've got 50 yards between them because you've allowed the game to get stretched by Brentford, then any loose ball will just get picked up with them and you're under the cosh again. And that's a little bit what happened second half today after about the hour mark where we kind of lost control. I thought actually starting the second half, we looked like we had good kind of possession in their half, but we wasted so many passes. Yeah. The number of times that Nard, Nard hit a well, I'm back into back into back into a lot of loose 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 balls, and I think there was one situation yeah. in that good spell that uh, that Pompey had where it was almost uh, three against two when they broke down the left, and I think the broke yeah. hung on to the ball too long, and we just shouldn't be allowing that. We shouldn't be allowing that to happen. Now today, you know, there've been I think there was been a couple of shocks in the FA Cup today. At least we weren't one of them. Now, I mean, one of the big topics. Uh, this week uh, and the fact that Gregor went to print on it was the alleged comment to a media outlet from Joe Williams that he has not been happy with his rehab and allegedly another player endorsed that view. Gregor went to print on that. Uh, Ian, we've been saying something's not right for months, yeah, and we've been sort of naming names as saying, you know, they got a track record. And this week it all blew up that everybody was going back seven years to certain people's track records when they're at West Ham and Arsenal. I mean, Gregor has gone to print on it, Ian. That means there's no smoke. He's not going to you know, jeopardise his relationship with a club, or maybe he has, by printing something as explosive as that. What was your thoughts when you read that coming from him, that he pretty much underwrote the story that was in The Athletic, I think it was. What do you think? Well, what what he said was he checked uh, with The Athletic with regard to their sources and he was satisfied that the story was genuine um, or the source was good. Now, so just contradict you a little bit, I haven't mentioned anybody's... Um, name or who it, whose fault it is that the only my, the point I've been making is we've got a horrendous amount of injuries and no other club as far as I'm aware in the Skybet Championship has had anything like it mm. um, and now we've all had the Covid situation is global it's certainly nationwide and the no pre-season is also nationwide so yeah. if, if every other club had 10 or 11 players um, injured, and that's where we were before Brunt left. So it now takes us down to ten. We've now got five that I think are out for the season. 
who are well, Vyman, yeah, Vyman, Vyman, De Silva, Williams, Watkins, and O'Dowda. I don't think you'll see any of them this season. If you do see them, it'll be very late. I mean, and when I say very late, I'm talking May. Mm. Now that's five. Um, I've got uh, now there are other players who are currently injured. Uh, that would make a difference. You saw the difference Mawson made today. Imagine if yeah. Baker Baker was available to play against Brentford. We wouldn't be conceding some of the goals from crosses that we were if Big Baker was playing. I'll tell you that now. Now, no. okay, people will say, well, okay, how many games is he going to be fit for then? And yeah. that's, a, that's another question. Uh, but we need Baker. Walsh will improve us from a creative perspective, yeah. but he's not going to improve us defensively. No, so, no. I think we need to look and see, well, okay, what do we need to do in, the, in, in in this window if we can? And that will probably be loans unless someone goes out. The big tester is if someone comes in and makes a take-it-or-leave-it offer for FAM, do we say, no, we're going to go through to the end of the season because that's not enough. We want our money back. We try and get him to sign another contract. Or do we say, well, okay, uh, you know, two million's better than no million, or even a million's better than no million? Do we let him go? In which case, we need a replacement. And on Connor Wickham, I've got to be honest, I, I saw Connor Wickham cause massive problems to us when he was a 17 year old. And I think he was playing for Ipswich mm-hmm. at the time yeah. down at Ashton Gate. He's a good player, Ian. But, but he's a really he good class. player. But talk about, you know, he's a good player when he's fit. And and the poor kid never is. I don't know what the problem is, um, but he's he's never available. Um, and I, I Matthews, he, if you really want him, you you probably pick him up pick him up for nothing on reasonable wages, pay as yeah. you play in the summer. But I'd be disappointed if Fam went out and uh, and he came in. Not forgetting, yeah. of course, that Fam's been carrying injury. So hopefully, I hope that's. He's recovered from that now, and he started today. So one would hope so. Well, if he play, if Fan plays like he played today, and you know when he's come on as a sub between now and the end of the season, he runs his contract down. That's just a fact of life. It is what it is. Because if we don't replace him, then you know you've got to question where the goals are going to come from. Yeah, because he has been pretty reliable in that respect. Mark, I mean, what were your thoughts? Because this this business of the player injuries and what have you it fueled a whole big debate about the influence that Mark Ashton seems to be having on the club. And as we say, there's somebody's, I think, Dave, you've put on here, it's all, everything's conjecture. It's all circumstantial, this, this bit about injuries. But Mark, you know, the, when things are going badly, people look for a scapegoat, don't they? And Ashton was starting to get all eyes on him just a little bit. And this win today has probably deferred it until the next defeat or we re-enter the top six but what, what are your thoughts uh, Ian on the sorry not Ian Mark on the um, you know the the you know it was almost a storm brewing through the week you know to do with the injuries and these stories and what have you what did you think from afar well that, any story like that that uh, you know a middle of the road paper like a, a local you know like a local paper like the, the, the post is going to make they are going to going to confirm that their sources are gonna, because of the relationship that they have with the club uh, um, you know, they're, they're going to have to make sure that that's a, you know stone a stone wall, stone wall uh, source before before they report it. Um, so it's a bit of a worry. I mean, you've got to go back and look at what happened with Steve Brooker, um, who was also you know a fantastic player, but suffered a lot of injuries after he left. Of course, he uh, was in dispute with the club about some the way that he you know he he, he had. Um, he had misdiagnosis of certain injuries, which caused him a huge amount of problems. Who was that again? Sorry, uh, I missed that. Was that Gary well, O'Neill? Steve, Steve, oh, no, Steve Brooker, Brooker, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah Steve Brooker. But that back, goes back, back that's 10 such years. a long time ago that it, it's not it's not really current. And thank you, Mark Carter, who's uh, put the SMS on there when I said re-enter the top six. And I think he's put about 30 laugh till he cried emojis down there. But, uh, but there we go. Dave, I mean, you've been uh, you've you've put a comment on there. Mark Ashton being awfully quiet. Bearing in mind we're a third of the way into the window speaks volumes for me uh, for you. Um, what are your thoughts on this 
and you know the overall picture you know people have been saying like Lansdowne's interested just in the rugby and quite right too when you look at what Bristol have uh, done I watched a bit of that yesterday rugby's never for me but uh, you know Lansdowne's there Junior Lansdowne you know does, does he carry any influence people say that he's in tune with the fans and you know people I know any fan commenting on the forums is always seen as they don't reflect the views of the minority but do you think it's right that any spotlight should go towards Ashton rather than Holden? How, how do you view what's happened off the field over the last seven days? Yeah, well, I, I think there's enough criticism from forums, from ourselves and, you know, countless other people on social media about the way the team's performed. We know, we know they've had injuries. It's not an excuse. You know, for 8, 10, 12 games, we've not been good enough, in my opinion, and, and been quite poor in a lot of those games as well. Early season, as you know, I, I was quite positive. I know people didn't think there was much difference then. I, I think there was, but let's not go over that. But we're, we're talking about off-the-pitch stuff now. And I think it's been pretty clear from Dean Holden, Dean doesn't see his remit to talk about contracts. And yet we've not heard from Mark Ashton. We're, as I put on the, the text just now, we're a third of the way into the window. We normally get to hear from Mark Ashton pretty early in the window about, you know, where we are as a club, what we're trying to do. We've heard nothing, have we? You know, we, we haven't even heard him say much about, you know, players coming back from, from loan or anything like that. You know, he normally likes to get a little bit of profile around some of this stuff about, you know, how it's been, you know, marvellous Bristol City type stuff. And we've heard nothing. And I think the big one for me is from Arajiju, you know, Ultimately, he might sign a contract. If he does, fair enough. Um, but if we if we let him walk out the door, that's five point three million. Our record signing at the time, we've allowed to leave on a free, and he could do yeah. that by signing a pre contract with a with another 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 club outside of outside yeah. of England, um, and he could quite easily do that. We, you know, he's had interest in the past from Turkey and France, and I think that'd be a pretty damning statement on Mark Ashton's time as our CEO to allow a player of that ilk that he couldn't tie down to a contract or he couldn't sell. Now, ultimately... Dave, didn't you? You did a very in-depth analysis. And for those of you that didn't read it, find it somewhere on there or maybe Dave put it on Twitter because it was in-depth and I think it was in-depth and damning. You know, you look at certain aspects of it and it's a bit like the Emperor's New Clothes. You know, it looks... Bits of it look good. But people have gone back because Ashton had his fingers in the pie, for want of a better description, as far back as the Derek McInnes uh, period. But yeah. for those that haven't read it, you know, in a in a snapshot, what were your what were your findings on that in depth analysis that you did? That you know, I, I what, think for supposedly as a you know top class recruitment team, I think they failed pretty miserably, and I think they've benefited from previous recruitment regimes and I, and in the piece that I wrote I put a lot of stock down to firstly Sean O'Driscoll with Keith Burt and then Steve Cottrell with Keith Burt and and I'd say there's probably been two two to four really good signings that have come under the Ashton regime and that's not put, putting everything at Mark Ashton because I think Lee Johnson plays a, a big part in some of that as well but I think I named Webster and Brownhill as our two, what I would say, unqualified successes. Everyone else, you can look at it and say, yeah, you could you could argue. And there's lots that have been massive failures within that as well. And, well, and, and the and total I, number of signings is over six, the period is 60, circa six, 60. 68, yeah. 68. Was, 68 yeah. in the end, 68. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you know, we, we've, we've traded. traded. How, does we tried, the, how does that compare with some of the – I mean, some clubs have probably done that and some might have yeah. done it before. But overall, would you say we're in the top six in terms of volume of trans? That's the one top six we have got into, the top six in terms of volume <laughs> of uh, players. Yeah, some, some clubs have a, have a lot of volume as well. We're probably in the top eight, ten, I would have thought. You know, and we might be even higher than that. But I think, you know, we, it's so scattergun. You know, we, we tried the German experiment for one window, didn't we, when we brought in Hegler and Giefer, and, and that didn't work. Then we... <laughs> Then we've tried, a, you know, a bit of something else. And, and I, I think, you know, Ian and myself were probably lined up on this is, one, I want to know, what is our recruitment strategy? And also, more importantly, at this point in time, what is our contract 
strategy as well. Well, that's another that's another can of worms. I got my views on that. I mean, Ian, before we talk about contracts, you know, you've done you did it for me back in the summer. Well, not did it for me. Sent me a list of your views on transfers in and out. I don't know whether you've read uh, Dave's piece, but uh, do you think do you think Ashton's under any pressure? And I think we posed a question on the last podcast. You know, will one of or both Mark Ashton and Dean Holden be here in October next year. Yeah. Well, to answer the questions, number one, is he under pressure? Yes. And if he isn't, he should be. Mm-hmm. Um, the other person I'd say is is under pressure to show his hand to a point is Stephen Lansdowne. At the end of the day, Steve's the guy that signs off the budget, not Mark Ashton. And... Uh, if there's a major out or a major in, the final say is Steve Lansdowne. It's yep. definitely not Mark Ashton. And if you say, well, how do you know? He told me that. Yep. And he told me that in front of a lot of other people as well. Mm. So I'm not saying that he's got no say in it. What I'm saying is if Steve Lansdowne says, uh-uh, we're not doing that deal, then that's it. It doesn't and happen. It, it's the same situation with contracts. And you mentioned FAM. But you've also got some other expensive signings. Baker, four and a half, we, we, four and a half, wasn't it? We, four Three and a half million. But four and a half, I think yeah. we got we got a deal where when they took over Villa, they were the, the new owners wanted money desperately. So I think we finished up getting him for three and a half or something like that. I mean, or did they maybe that, 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 they that kind of ballpark, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 they, yeah that's the little, type of they, thing. So if three you and say half million fam, player, it's three and a half million quid that we paid for a player. Yeah, that hang if on, he hang on, Dave. Summer, yeah, he's yeah, still hang, under thirty. Yeah, yeah, hang on, Dave. You got so those two. The point I make: you got two players that okay. Let's call it five point three and four point five. That's ten million quid. That's just those two. On top of that, you've got Rowe cost us nothing. Patterson, Lyman. who cost us about 1.6. Jackon cost us 1.6, 1.8. one8 has got an option. In other words, we, we can sign in for another year on his current deal. Um, I'm not worried about Marty Watkins, who we should have never signed, Rennie Gill, Martin, or Adelakon, who we spent another player we should never sign for 600,000. I'm not bothered about those but players who are in our first 11 mm-hmm. I am concerned about now let me just say I don't mind if we sell every single one of them but the, the, the emphasis is on the word sell not give away you can't give away 14 15 million quid worth of stuff unless the club's going to come out and say right we're done with spending money that's it we're absolutely done with it we're going to play younger players we're going to bring them through. We might sign a couple of blokes from League One, but or we might have a few people on loan. That's it. We're not doing it anymore. Then fine, absolutely fine. At least we no, know I agree. The it's communicating. You're absolutely yeah. right. What's the it's communicating. It's communicating a strategy. It's a pattern of play. It's a way of playing. Yeah, and I think I mean it's a, Mark, it's a job of the CEO, isn't it? Absolutely, the job of the CEO, but that's not going to – I don't see that changing anytime soon. I mean, Mark, um, I might have said this in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but part of the problem why fans feel disillusionment is that we – Ashton Gate always used to be a fortress and we weren't always great on the road, but you used to be entertained at Ashton Gate, certainly in the Danny Wilson years. And I know that's League One, but if your home form's good, we've only won 20, I worked it out, 20 in league matches, 27 of the last 69 home matches. That's since we lost to Wolves that day, uh, which is now what, three years ago. Um, Mark, the, um, you know, the, the general malaise that's about the place, and again, the performance today is not going to alleviate it. I know we're in the fourth round, but you know, you've been a city fan a long time, and you talk to people, and it's sort of people our age that can remember the good times in those Premiership years. It is depressing at the moment, and we 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 don't want to be depressed, but at least let's have. We haven't even got the five pillars policy anymore, have we, or any of this stuff? It's just there's no communication coming from the club on. Any aspect of it is there, you know, post well, the, 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 or anything like that. 
Yeah, I mean the five pillars thing. That was only like a five minute wonder when Sorno Driscoll was there, and it was it was soon binned uh, when Steve Cotter was brought in, and he said, "Look, I need the need it. I'll, I'll take the job as long as you give me eight X, Y, and Z, and I'll do it my way." And and it and it worked. And then the following summer, he brought the cream of Lee One Talent. Yeah, we got no identity as a team at all in in terms of. Did they uh, throw the five formation. pillars in the bin, though, Mark? I, I just were the five pillars. Thrown in the bin just because Cottrell came in. I think there's. Well, it seems we adhered to, to a lot of it. Well, it seemed O'Driscoll was told that he had. To, I mean, he brought in, you know, a load of young players, and they took eleven games to win their first game. I think away at Carlisle uh, in that season of uh, of thirteen uh, fourteen. We just really struggled, and we were down the wrong end of the division. And I think a draw against Orient did it. Did it for uh, did it for O'Driscoll? Although people say it was completely the wrong man. His post ups interviews were uh, were were um, you know were, were awful to listen to. But coming up to current side, there's, we're oversold again. We're told we're being told that when Johnson uh, was sacked, we want somebody to take yeah. it. To, no, no, we're going to take. We want somebody who's going to take the club to the next level. Then six weeks later, we appoint the assistant manager. It's just a complete mess. And then, of course, John Lansdowne, again, he's a good human. Somebody who's holding a gun to my head, it feels like, you know, when I have to say these words, so I've got to think the first thing that comes into my head, and he, and he said that. It's just a complete mess. If Fam goes with the recruitment at the moment, you worry about whether they're going to, re- whether they're going to replace him with somebody who's competent enough to put the ball in the net. And he's looked our best player as, as a sub. The only other player to scored since October at home is Chris Martin. We really struggle to score. Only five wins out of 11 this season. It's no fortress coming to Ashton Gate, COVID or no COVID. And as a side, it's all a bit of a mess on and off the pitch. We yeah. need to see some co- committed play on the pitch and we need to see a settled formation and players who go out there are hungry, committed and, and can put their foot in and tackle when they need to. Because right now, City, City look on and off the pitch a soft touch that are just cruising along, yeah. happy to stay in a championship and, and not worry about where we go. Compared with the rugby, we look a bad, you know, we, we're coming a very poor second and nobody wants to hear that. No, I think, absolutely right. I mean, Dave, going back to contracts, and I'll come to you all on contracts as well. I mean, we, we're in this COVID, you know, we're not going to be going back into Ashton Gate in a normal format, if even then, until August, if we're lucky. Right, and then all these players. If you're a player who's out of contract in the summer, and currently you're on ten grand a week, and you're saying, "Oh, I'll get fifteen grand a week," I think those days are gone. You know, because I think the finances mm. in football have gone to rat shit, and this business of letting all these contracts run down. Right, so we're not carrying. Is it? Do you think it's a deliberate ploy, even giving Holden just a rolling? It wasn't a 12-month contract. It was a rolling 12-month contract. So if they sacked him Monday, he'd be paid up until the 12th of January 2022. But do you think there is some method in this madness and this apparent madness and this general letting things trundle along? And I said many times on the podcast, this has been a free hit for the club and for Holden. And come the end of the season, you know, when maybe the finances are – you know, we've lost a few clubs or some clubs in a real dire strait. Do you think we're so subtle that we're actually ready to take advantage of it and next season is the one where things will start to pick up? What, what, what do you think? Which is, again, linked to contracts. Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know, Dave. It's, you know, as I said before, what, what is the, the strategy? I, I think where you've got, you know, your likes of, Jack Hunt, your Andreas Weiman, I know he's got a year extension, your Pato's, your Nathan Baker. Those guys in the COVID world that we're in, they're you know, they're at the they're at the peak of their careers, if not starting to tail off the other side. In COVID world, I, I think they're currently going to be on the best money that they could get anywhere. They ain't going to go out and get a, a better contract than what they're no. on now. So no. maybe they're maybe they're looking to to see in the summer, you know, but then again, you'd think, well. Could we not tie them down? Could we not say to Pato, who's had a you know a pretty decent season? Could we not say, yeah, you're on, I don't know, let's say he's on 12, 14 grand a week now. 
could we not say, actually, we'll give you two years at, at, at 10K because you ain't going to get better than what you're on now anywhere else? I, I don't know. I, I'd love to know what, but, what but the then strategy is. If you take is, a player like Patterson, if you take a player like... Good, good first-team players or you know players who play two, two-thirds of games in a first team every season, out the door. But equally, we say Pato is one of our better players at the moment. Are the clubs that financially more exposed than we are that we know? You're right there, Dave. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. There are there are clubs in a financially worse situation than we are because they don't have somebody like they don't have Steve Lansdowne's pockets. Let's put it like that. I won't say Steve Lansdowne. But that but we're looking material to some extent, well, Dave. Because we could be looking FFT. at Patterson and thinking, Steve look, Lansdowne do we spend? Give us the cash flow and, and cover our debts. Yeah. But you can't you can't just lob money into it. And and I think we're at the point and I guess this was the point of the article I wrote was over the last three, four years, we've always had, I guess, you know, the family silver to sell. And yeah. you know, and either those were people brought in initially by uh O'Driscoll, then by Cottrell, and a and a little bit of Lee Johnson as well. Yeah. But other than our goalkeeper, we haven't, we haven't got that 10 million player we can sell or a couple of 10 million players we can sell each summer. I think no. we're actually, I wouldn't say we're in financial problems, but we're we're running up against the, the wire as well, I think. Yeah, I, the point I was trying to get at there was that, okay, if Pato, I'm, I'm not talking about playing transfers, I'm talking about looking at a wage budget. So if you've got Patterson that's there on 12 grand a week, as you said, and you're offering 10, you know, if we've got a good recruitment strategy, we might be saying, do you know what, right, we've got 10, pa- 10 grand a week to spend on a player. Actually, we can get somebody better than Pato that's out of contract for 10 grand a week who's at a club where he was on 12, mm-hmm. but they've only offered him eight. Yeah, so... You know, and that yeah. could be various members of the Sheffield Wednesday. And I don't, I wouldn't want to touch Barry Bannon now because that ship has passed in terms of him being a, a value add. I mean, what what do you think of that view, uh, Ian? That you know, this sort of letting the contracts run down is it part of a greater scheme of things? And somebody said, somebody Beeler's put on here holding his babysitting, and somebody else has said babysitting for who? I think that's taking it a step too far. But do you think we are? waiting to capitalise on other players that will be out of contract that are better than Pato and Baker and others of uh, that first-team milk as they are at the moment? Well, the the honest answer to that, Dave, is that we don't know. We don't know. Um, And there's no information coming out of the club one way or the other. Now, Dean Holden has just said, uh, Mark's talking to... Famara, uh, and they hope to have something sorted out. But in fairness, he said that six months ago. Yeah. So, um, and it's not fair. I think Dave made the point earlier on, or I think you might have made it, where you said, um, you know, Dean Olden really doesn't want to get involved, doesn't get involved with contracts. And, and as a role as his head coach, he won't. I mean, obviously, he'll get a say on whether someone gets one or not. Um, mm. But he would always um, – it, it, it's it, it's this uh, blowing in the wind thing that I don't know. If someone made a decision uh, and said so the other thing I would say is, let's say Fam tomorrow signs a contract and says he's going back to France. And let's say he goes uh, – Marseille want him, let's say, and he goes back there and he signs a contract. Is he going to want to really put it all in for Bristol City from now to the end of the season, uh, on the uh, with the risk of getting injured? Well, no. Just like the way I remember Adam Webster's last game in a Bristol City shirt when they played Palace at home and they dubbed us five nil in a pre-season friendly. You know, and you're going to not put that extra. You're not going to play that hundred percent. And like I think somebody said, the way Adelakan didn't face up to the shot today. You know, he, his mind, he knows he hasn't got a future at this club. So why are they going to bother? I mean, one thing I don't know, and one of you can maybe answer this: if he signs a pre-contract for another club, does he have to tell the club that that's what he's done, or can he just play dumb and it comes out by no, mistake I think he, or whatever? I, I, is he, is I think he, it, does he have to say? I, no, I think it's an it's it's an official document. Um, you know, and it'll come out. I mean, if it doesn't come out at City, it'll come out at the other end. The club have signed a pre-contract yeah. agreement and, you know, we'll, we'll be going there. I mean, I agree with everything you say on um, some of the other players. I mean, but if you look at, it's these, you know, some of the sign-ins, okay, we signed Schmodix, 
uh, Moesa. We got money back. Players we got our money back. For not, um, well, we got more than our money back. So yeah. it's not um, a massive. That's not a massive issue. But when you're you're talking, if you add it all up, it adds up to over fifteen million pounds worth of talent just walking in June. If we're going to do that, we need an explanation of why we're going to do it. I mean, they may think we've got enough good young players coming through that we're going to be, uh, we're going to have a, a an all academy side with a few season pros put in there. Um, but who, who knows? They may say, well, we're not going to give Tommy Rowe a new contract because we've got Cameron Pring. We've got Jada Silva. Why do we want three left backs? So yeah. th- there could be explanations around it, but I, yeah. I'm not seeing, um, I, I, I can't, I don't know what the strategy is. And that makes me, when you've got the injury situation and you've got the contract situation, that just makes me a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, Mark, uh, Naki Wells, five million on him a year ago. He's 31 now or he's 31 next birthday. That's another asset that's not going to, we're never going to get, you know, we we bought him just before we entered COVID, but that's another five million going out through the door because we're never going to get more for him than what we paid, are we? And that's, so that's yeah. another strange one, isn't it? It doesn't look like it, but I'm, I mean, I think Naki's a committed player and he can score goals and he can he can set them up. And he's not played in his natural position, which I think is off a, um, you know, off a, a, a big man or a number 10, uh, playing on his own up front. Um, I don't think there's any chance that we're going to try and build a side around him. Um, but he, I think he'll, people, I've, I've heard stories that he's a bit unhappy, but I think that's just um, terrorist banter. But I think he'll just do the best of a bad job in terms of where he fits in. As long yeah. as he didn't play on the right side of midfield, because that was totally ludicrous today, because he just completely lost the guy. Um, what's the point of playing him, you know, wide in a, in, in a, mid, in a midfield four? But our, and then that, brings fans, us, that brings yeah. us back to tactics and organisation on the yeah, day. Yeah, right? just a mess. You know? what, what tactics, what organisation? Didn't seem to you know, be playing any. 4 one or something, or four one five or something like that. It's a yeah, mess. We, All right, look, we got chance to talk about this again on uh, Wednesday night uh, after the uh, Brentford game. I mean, let's have a few. Uh, let's, let's let's have a little bit of reflective thought. I'll come to you first, uh, Dave. Uh, you're probably too young to remember Bobby Kellard, aren't you? Yes, was he before your time? Sixty-eight. Yeah, he is. Sixty-nine. Just before your time. He's the one with the big thighs, according to me, Dad. He was, and he used to pump his <laughs> cheeks. He used to pump his cheeks in and out when he was uh, running. He was a little short player, and he was a little short, fat player. I last saw him at Ashton Gate in the what was the old the old Williamstown about seven or eight years ago, and he's silver grey hair. That's the pictures of him up on the images on the if you do a Google search. But good little player. But before your time, all right. So before your time on there, but I said in the when I sent you all a text before the game today any particular FA Cup third round memories for you uh, Dave that you can uh, think of <laughs> it's a bit difficult because we're not exactly a cup uh, cup type FA Cup type side but any particular matches stick in your mind at all uh, I, I hope it was a third round game uh, but um, Leicester City away Jakonowski and Ben that that was what I went to I, did, I never went a lot that was a fourth that, round that I period. think fourth round was it in which case yeah no, because we lost the fourth round save that one, save that one for Sorry. next time Save that one. <laughs> All right. Move on to someone else. I'll go on to someone else. I mean, Ian, uh, thoughts of Bobby Kellard and uh, FA Cup third round memories. <clears throat> yeah, Bobby Kellard scored. It's the first goal I can remember clearly from um, being at the city ground. It was a night game. Uh, it was against Aston Villa. And I was at the open end. And Bobby Kellard scored with a left foot shot from 25 yards into the keeper's top left-hand corner at the East End, yeah. and we—I think we won the—I think we won the game one. On the one, Ian, it's funny you should pick that one because again, it's that was—I will tell you which season it was. He was Bobby Kellard was with us for two, two seasons. He left us to join Leicester and then was captain, I think, when they got promoted. That match against Villa, I remember that, not that game, but I do remember that goal. I was just looking in David Wood's history of the club and it describes it exactly as you did, and as I remember it. A stunning shot, rising shot from the edge of the box. And it was, bizarrely, City's first home league win ever against Aston Villa. Yeah, but that's that's how I that's that's one of my memories. Well, my my memory of Bobby Kellard is was another night game, and we had about thirteen fourteen thousand in there, and it was cold, 
um, and you, you're uh, the, you think with thirteen thousand at the moment you can hear all what the players are saying on all the screams and the jumps and the God knows what because there's no crowd in. There's thirteen thousand in there in the night, and the game wasn't going very well. And Mike Mike Gibson was in goal, and Mike had the ball, and all of a sudden you heard this voice bark out from this this little guy, Gibbo. Get the effing thing up here. And it was Bobby Kellard. Yeah. And you yeah. think that's one voice over a 13,000 crowd. That just goes to show you how quiet the ground was. But you heard him absolutely word perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was a player. And, and uh, FA Cup third round memories, Ian, at all? Any particular ones that stand out for you? The sort of FA Cup games I remember. I mean, obviously, we remember. I don't know about third round, but... Uh, the the Liverpool away, the Liverpool game that got uh, when the floodlights went out at Ashton Gate. Of course, that was third round, wasn't it? Was that third round or fourth? I think it uh, might yeah, have been. Yeah, Dave. I know, I, you know, it's no good asking me about dates. Yeah, it was I'm third round with dates. That was um, third. Yeah, but but the you know games that that stand out. I can remember a four-all draw against Wrexham. Was that a cup game? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah. Oh, we lost the replay. Merrick's diving header into his own net. Do you remember that, Ian? Yeah, I mean, we we there's been some you know been, been some some good games down there over the years, some good cup games. Um, if you want to go outside the FA Cup, you know, I've seen a couple of League Cup, uh, well, three League Cup semi-finals. Oh, well, we don't, um, we don't we don't want to go down there. We don't want to talk. <laughs> not that far down memory lane. Not that far down. Um, Mark, any uh, do you do you remember Bobby Kellard or were you sitting short trousers? I, then? I, I, he's not he's not in my he's he's not of my generation. But I interviewed him for a short piece for the Evening Post in January two thousand and nine before the replay we lost two 0 and he told me his interesting story uh, about when he when he uh, when he signed because he signed to replace uh, John Johnny Quigley. That's it. Uh, John went to uh, Mansfield. And Bob said, uh, Bobby Kellard said to me, um, John Quigley was seen by Alan Dix, Kellard said, as a threat to his job because he was a, he was a leader. And he thought that if he failed, that, uh, that um, Dolman would get rid of him and, and bring Johnny Quigley in. So he got rid of him. So uh, what made it worse, he said, was that Dix made me captain for my debut. He said, I knew it was wrong. Dix knew it was wrong. The crowd knew it was wrong. As soon as I led the team out for my debut, I got booed. <laughs> but... Uh, the other thing, interesting thing was, and of course this is in the history books by David Woods, is that Dolman bought his house on Hailing Island in Portsmouth to help facilitate the transfer because he was very keen on him. So he brought Kellard yeah. to City. Uh, when Kellard left, I think it was probably, it might have been to have to pay off the Dolman stand. I think Ian and David, you might remember that. 1970, uh, I think, yeah. I think Chris Garland was the same. We needed the money. There was a big, there was a big debt to be paid on the on the Dolman stand. He went to Leicester City, and Kennard had a number of clubs. He went to Leicester and got them promoted into uh, the first division in his first season. That's Frank, right. No, Frank, that, Frank yeah. Far- he told me that Frank, Frank Fa- Farrell. Franco Farrell was his manager, and uh, Farrell had promised him a pay rise if they got promoted. So he went up to him at the end of the season. The club had got promoted. He said, "Where's my rise?" He said, I'm off to Man United. Sort it out with the other manager. So uh, he promptly that's left. That's right, because he didn't stay at Leicester. That. He didn't, that's right. No, he was at, at the Leicester. Palace. Only a very short period. Yeah, I yeah, think, well, yeah. in the August. And then when he finished football, he was an accomplished painter. I think when he, he was, when he, because when I had a football, Charles Buckens football annual, and there's a picture of him there. He used to paint watercolours, but there we go. I mean, it's interesting. Somebody on here has picked up one that I can remember, one of the few bright spots of our last season in what is now the Premiership. We played Derby in the uh, third round at Ashton Gate and beat them 6-2 January 1980. And the one I remembered at the top of the show was, funnily enough, uh, against last time we played Portsmouth in the FA Cup. Uh, well, maybe not 1973, and we were winning, losing one nil. And you're just as you are shuffling out the ground. And uh, Bobby Gould was playing for us then, and he headed a last minute equaliser that uh, got City a replay. But what I remember of that game is walking back to the coach and Portsmouth fans running down the road, chasing after us and legging it, got back to the coach and the bloody door was locked to the coach and Stan <laughs> literally holding a copper 
with his big helmet on. He was about six foot wide and seven foot tall and just hiding behind him until we got back on the coach and the idiots that stood by the coach, a couple of them got a good kick in that day. But, uh, but there we go. Guys, look, we've done uh, over the hour again. Um, sorry to those listeners who think we're moaning minis, which is not many. We do it with a, with a smile on our faces, really. Hey, you know what we've we forgotten, all... David? What's that? Who do we want in the next round? Oh, shut up. We can, we can discuss. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to do any of that, bollocks. We do not need to do that. That is, you know. But I do, I have to say, I have to say, we need to have. Um, Sorry. Yes. Sorry, no, David. I was going to say something. I'm going to shut up. Uh, no, I was going to say something else, but I'm not going to say that. Uh, so we don't want to be controversial here. But look, guys, um, we've got we've got it to look forward to on Wednesday, and we've got another one booked. Thank you to everybody that's uh, uh, listened, and I urge all of you that haven't read it, look at Dave's uh, analysis. Apologies for those at the beginning when the quality of the sound wasn't great, but uh, that's my fault because um, it's been all right. The rest of it, Dave, hasn't it really yet? Was it? He said, "You still there, Dave?" <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I'm, I'm still here, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, still yeah. here. It's not too bad, but uh, you're still here. You're all here. Any, any final thought? Any 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 final thoughts, uh, guys? Well, let's know. Let's do a quick uh, result prediction for Wednesday night at Brentford. Dave, any chance of anything? Um, on today's performance, no. Yeah, Mark. Um, I'm going to gamble and then go for a, a scrape one or draw. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> Why, not? Why not? Why not? Ian, your uh, thoughts? Hopeful for Wednesday? Put off a shot? Mm-hmm. No, uh, but I'd say with the players that Brentford have got out, because De Silva's out, Pontus Janssen is out, and they've got somebody else this half decent out. My The best thing I could realistically hope for is a backs-to-the-wall performance and a point. Yeah. Um, but that's only if if he selects the team he selected today. I don't think he will, but I, I actually think we'll get smashed. Well, um, we hope not. We hope not, but... Uh, so, But let, could... let's hope he doesn't. Like, you know, I've put a suggestion of the team that I'd pick on Twitter... Um, and it, it, like I said earlier on, it might be nice to see one of the youngsters in, like a, a, a James Morton in, in midfield, who, who can act, who's left-sided and can pass the ball. Um, so let's, let's let's just see if we can. I think we need to be a lot more solid than we were today, and hopefully, uh, the forwards can score goals out of nothing. Well, we hope well, so, guys. Thanks, well, thanks a lot for that. Thanks thank everybody you. for uh, listening, and we'll speak to you. We'll talk to you all on uh, on Wednesday. All the best. Cheers now. All bye the best. Bye bye. Bye. It's the ninetieth minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you still the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order the McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.